We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman, and we're going to give out some 49ers mid-season awards. But first, we are sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. Go visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. It is an incredible place to hang out and drink beer. Always good food trucks out there. You can eat some good food, drink some good beer, hang out. If you can't make the trip out to Santa Rosa, then order some beer. If you're in California and over 21, they will ship beer directly to your front door. They ship it cold, and it's in packaging that keeps it cold. And so you get cold beer delivered right to your front door. Super sick. And you should go do that right now at cooperbrewing.com. Seriously, pause the podcast. Actually, you don't even have to pause the podcast. Just go while you're listening, order some Cooper's beer, and get it sent to your house. You're welcome. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey, let's do some midseason awards. Yeah, Basically, the Oscars. We're yeah. calling these. We're calling these the candies. <laughs> I like that. You didn't mention that before the pod, but I, I like just that idea. it just popped into my head right now. Yeah, hey, workshop are, on the on the fly. Are awards? Do they just like come up with short names like that? Like everything's like a like a Watergate, like a gate, like yeah, Spygate yes. or. Uh, deflate gate or whatever we can just go candies i hate that that's the thing by the way oh it's the worst it's like watergate was a real actual thing and it was called that because of a hotel it was called the watergate hotel right spygate was a football thing inconsequential and there's no gate there was no right. there gate. was no anyway, nothing i don't want to harp on this too long Let's get to the candies. Least valuable player. The word gate. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. Uh, <laughs> so these are the. So if these are the mid-season candies, did we just commit to doing a end of season candies? Yeah, that's free content for us. Bro. Yeah. Okay. That's I mean, a layup. That's layup content. Yeah. All right. I'm with it. 
If you're not subscribed to this podcast, check this out. We do this during the off season, 12 months. We're just, we're cranking out 49ers content constantly. <laughs> we sure are. We probably won't go three times a week during the off season, but no, um, at least there's, <laughs> there's at least, there's at least once a month during the off season. We go, Hey, we're going to pod today. No. Okay. Let's just skip it. Yeah. Let's just, let's just move it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's start off. So we're going to go through a few and we've got eight candies to give out mid-season candy so these are like fake candies the real ones are coming at the end of the year but these are the mid-season version we're gonna go offensive player of the year defensive player of the year uh biggest surprise biggest disappointment best offseason move worst offseason move play of the year and team mvp these are all just for the first half so these are subject to change and, yeah. I th- and I think we can talk about that as we give these out, what we think it might look like uh, at the end of the year. So let's start with the offensive player of the first half. O-P-O-F-H. <laughs> O-P-F-O-H. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, who's your pick for offensive player of the first half? Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, offensive player of the year. It's kind of tough. Like it's it not. Is. It's it, it's hard to like look at the 49ers and think like, oh, this one guy on offense is has been head and shoulders above everybody else because it's not like it's not like Debo Samuel like was last year. Like clearly the 49ers most important offensive player, non quarterback edition, right? Um, yeah. This year, do you know off the top of your head who's leaving leading the team in touchdowns? Leading the team in touchdowns. Um I would guess Brent, I would guess Brandon Ayuk. He is. He's my pick. That he's my pick as well. Yeah. Um I I actually do think there's a case for Jimmy Garoppolo in that you know he's he's played a little bit better. He played pretty well in Carolina. He played really well, I thought, against the Rams, probably his best game in a while. Um, but there are just too many games where he was like awful, like Denver, um, Atlanta. I don't know that I'm necessarily pinning it all on him, but, um, I I think Brandon Ayuk in terms of week in week out, a guy who is just really consistent, who Kyle Shanahan gasses up as much as he can, Mm -hmm. um, who's blocking really well and just really playing in like a complete game. Overall, I, I think he's been the 49ers best and most consistent player. And some of that has to do with injuries too. Cause like we we might put we might give this award to Trent Williams if he had been healthy the entire year. Right. That's but the it, issue there is he just hasn't played enough. Yeah, but Brandon Ayuk's appeared in all eight games. And so the list of guys who have played in all eight games, by the way, on offense, particularly when you're talking about skill guys, is not that long. It's it's <laughs> Brandon Ayuk and Ray Ray McLeod and Ross Dwelly. Jeff Wilson, Charlie Warner. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think it's got to go to Brandon Ayuk, partly because of semantics, but partly because also he's just having a really strong season. 38 catches, 483 yards, four touchdowns. Not like eye-popping numbers, um, but he's catching almost 70% of his targets. And I think think he's going to pop over the second half of the season. I do too. So yeah, I, D, so Debo has <clears throat> Debo has 17 more touches 
thanks to the 24 rushes. He has more yards from scrimmage, but he has fewer touchdowns, and he does have two fumbles, including the one lost in, in Chicago. So, yeah, Ayuk has just been consistently really good, and we talk about it all the time with him. Even the even Even on snaps where he's not getting a target, he's winning his matchup. And, and he's just he's consistently been their their best player. Debo has seventeen more touches, but only thirty five more yards from scrimmage. Right. So it's like two yards. Yeah, just it, he set the bar. And the thing with Debo is, in if this was their like, let's say Ayuk and Debo were rookies, I think we would look at Debo and go, "Holy smokes, he has one hundred and thirty eight yards on twenty four carries and thirty two catches for three hundred eighty seven yards." Like this guy's, but. The fact is he set the bar so high last year as a rusher. Right. That when he's not as effective this year, it's 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 just not as it just doesn't stand out as much to me. And it might be there's there's a real possibility that Debo pops over the second half of the season more so than Ayuk does. Yes. Like with with Christian McCaffrey in there, that could open things up back for Debo in a way that looked a lot more like last year than what we've seen in the first half because defenses clearly spent the offseason approaching 40 like playing the 49ers like all right we got to be aware of where Debo is and even if he's in the backfield just sell out to stop him because and I think that's been a significant reason why the running game numbers haven't been as productive as they were last year it's been funny listening on on the radio and, and on national shows and stuff listening to smart NFL people talk about what the Niners offense is going to look like with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey because the consensus is no idea, but damn. <laughs> and, like, and I think that's I, I'm I'm fascinated to see for Ayuk, for Samuel, for Kittle, for for McCaffrey, just what his presence does for the players around him. Because we know what McCaffrey can do, but what exactly does it mean for Debo? What exactly does it mean for Ayuk? I'm fascinated to see that throughout the the second half. And it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year. We're like, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was the team's best offensive player because they took off when he arrived. Yep. Agreed. All right. Shout out to Brandon Ayuk. Congratulations. I'm sure that he's gonna uh he's gonna hear about this and really take this with him in the second half for his first half uh for his first half candy. Talk about second- some some pep in his step for the bye week. Yeah. No, this is this is huge. You know, he's probably sitting around hanging out. I don't know if he plays video games or or whatever players do on bye weeks but man this is something that he's taking this into contract negotiations i was just gonna say that like he's he's gonna get a contract here at some point so um he should absolutely cut up this clip and and (laughs) and john lynch will be like yeah i know i listen to this 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 many (laughs) this many catches this many receptions this many touchdowns and one first half candy (laughs) john lynch is like yeah i know i you know I already listened. You didn't need to bring that up. I know. <laughs> um, oh, oh, subscribe and review. Nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, defensive player of the year. Who do you got? I, I want you to go first this time. Okay. So is it super gonna, obvious? Is this the most? Is, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the grid here because okay for for reasons. Okay. Spoiler. We <laughs> go off the grid for DPOY, and I'm gonna pick Mooney Ward. Oh, interesting. And I I think just what he does in the secondary and 
how much he improves that unit just by existing and <laughs> what he <laughs> and what he allows D'Amico Ryans to do coverage wise. And it's not like a like because remember in 2019, Richard Sherman was the second team all pro and he's really good, but he never got targeted. Like just never threw the ball to him. And I think part of that was because he's I, I mean awesome. He's a Hall of Famer. But the other the other reason is teams just kind of figured, okay, he's gonna be where our receiver is. So we're just not gonna we're just not gonna do that. Ward's getting targeted. They're throwing the ball at him and he's breaking up passes. He's 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 there all the time. So I think the improvement in the secondary especially since the pass rush hasn't been great. It's been, it's been good, but it hasn't, it hasn't been like, Holy smokes. This is a dominant pass defense because of the pass rush. I think a lot of that has to do with Ward. And we saw what their defense looks like. Granted it was against the chiefs, but he was very clearly hobbled against the chiefs and they had their worst game of the year by a wide margin, their worst game in a long time by a wide margin. So defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Javarius Ward. Yeah. You made it pretty easy for me. Um, I like the pick. I'm going with Nick Bosa. That's fair. <laughs> um, he was leading the league in pressures and sacks for a long time. I'm looking at um, PFF's page right now because I'm into colors. He got and... half a sack. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got half a sack over the bye week. Yeah, he did. Uh, PFF has him at eight sacks. They don't do half sacks. Shout out to them. Um, so he's tied for second in the league with four other guys. Uh, with eight sacks Matthew Judon has nine sacks to lead the league he is uh fifth in pressures with 36 he led the league in, in that category or at least among edge players in that in that category he has more quarterback hits than any other edge player with the exception of Montez Sweat who also has 12 um the 49ers are a defensive team and Nick Bosa is their best defensive player like that's just mm-hmm. and you know maybe this leads into um the mvp discussion that we'll have at the end of this pod here but um i just think he's he's the guy that's most indispensable like when he's not there like he was in atlanta you really saw how much they missed him and Mm -hmm. how valuable he was and we talked about it at the time but a lot of it had to do with the running game also and that the falcons were really getting whatever they wanted on the edges in the running game and it under it it underscores how important Nick Bosa is at setting the edges in the run, and it's a basic thing. And it's like it's also it's basic, but it's also the mo- most important thing a defensive end does, aside mm-hmm. from just rush the passer, is just set the edge, mm-hmm. um, make it so a running back has to cut back inside to where all the traffic is, to where the linebackers are, instead of mm-hmm. getting out in space. Um, that's just a really important thing for any defense, and, and the Niners in particular given they play a wide nine, the the linebackers are responsible for, for so much in the middle of the field and all the gaps in, in the middle of the line of scrimmage. Um, but Nick Bosa is just one of the best pass rushers in the league. Probably not defensive player of the year right now because Micah Parsons plays for the Cowboys and you know is, is putting up just about the same numbers, but does it for a splashier team. Um, but I would say... Nick Bosa to me is very clearly the defensive MVP, but I'm glad you picked Mooney Ward just for the sake of discussion. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be all that fun if we were just in lockstep this entire episode. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Um, <laughs> uh, biggest, biggest surprise. I'm going to save my Nick Bosa comments for later. 
biggest surprise is going to be our next candy. And this is the one we didn't talk about any of these before the podcast, except for this one. And we are in lockstep here. And the biggest surprise to me has been Talano Huvanga. Yeah. And maybe you're changing your mind on the fly, but the fact that we went into the year, at least I did. And I think there were, there were other people in this, in this same camp that looked at the strong safety spot with Chikwaski Tart leaving and said, Oh, this is a competition. It's Tervarius Moore. It's Talanoa Hufanga. It's George Odom. And there's going to be a battle for that strong safety spot. And there really wasn't. Hufanga got first team reps and never gave it up. And he, my big concern was, is he, does he have the functional athleticism to play in the NFL and, and be, be good. Like we knew he'd been at least an okay player, but could he be like a standout starting caliber game changing player? And he's a game wrecker in the back end. And that's hard to do. And I know the Troy Polamalu comparison gets thrown out all the time. I'm going to pump the brakes on that right now. Similar hair, similar hair. You know, they both went to USC and they tried about that. They train together. Yeah. Yeah. What? So, No, so I, I, I mean, he's obviously got a long way to go to to get to where Paul Amalu was, but you see the flashes, like just the there's there's one or two plays a game. It's like, man, that's 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 a play not a lot of guys are making. That's that's rare, just instincts and explosiveness, and there's not a lot of strong safeties that are impacting games the way he does. So I was not not jaw on the floor stunned that he is a good player. But I'm I'm definitely surprised considering I wouldn't have even penciled him in as, as as the starter to 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 begin the year. Yeah, there's a small number of people who like I don't know if it was us necessarily, but like reacted to the idea that uh us wondering about how good the strong safety situation would be going into the season or like figured that was Talano Hufanga hate. And it's like, okay, sure. But the the big thing for us or anybody who really does this for a living and, and there are question marks regarding anything, a question mark is not a dig, right? Like it's, you, you can have confidence that somebody's going to do really well, but if they haven't, if they haven't done it and there just isn't a track record of that person doing it at this specific level, then it's fair to say that that's a question mark, right? It's yeah. not to say, Oh, we didn't think Hufanga was going to be good. It's just like, well, you know, not every fifth round pick ends up being as good as a lot of the 49ers fifth round picks, right? Like 49ers have a propensity of getting starters in the fifth round. And that doesn't mean every fifth round pick they make is going to be a starter. Mm -hmm. Like it's still healthy to have skepticism when a guy who hasn't really started and played at a high level as a former fifth round pick is going to continue to play at a high level once he is an entrenched starter. So yeah, I just want to say that Um, I'm going to switch up my pick. Oh, you son of a fly. For the, for the sake of discussion, sure. B- biggest surprise. So it's not going to be a player. It's going to be a concept. I was oh, pretty. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was pretty surprised the 49ers. <laughs> I was pretty surprised the 49ers made the Christian McCaffrey trade. Like that was very okay. surprising because I had I had people hitting me up and I was like, man, <laughs> cool. They're the, no like, yeah, I have friends. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but people were hitting me up and like you know are the Niners going to trade for McCaffrey are they really going to do it and I was like there's no way they're going to trade for Christian McCaffrey like first of all 
Like they're going to, they're going to pay a running back on top of all the other guys they got to pay. Um, they're going to give up a bunch of draft picks after, you know, giving basically trading the farm in terms of first round picks for Trey Lance. I just didn't see it. Um, and I was, I was really, really surprised that the 49ers did it. I understand why they did it. It's a lot to give up. Like I like I've been harping on since they made the the trade that you got you have to maximize his value by utilizing him in the passing game and that's absolutely what they did against the Rams so if if that's what it looks like it's going to be a worthwhile trade um but to me I think that's the biggest surprise it's just like wait the 49ers like Kyle Shanahan Bobby Turner the guys who take Matt Breida and Mm -hmm. he Mostert and Jeff Wilson and you know, all these other late round picks, Elijah Mitchell, late round picks around drafted guys into productive running backs and then to trade four draft picks to go get Christian McCaffrey, who's due $12 million over the next four seasons, like consecutively. Um, that seemed like a long shot before it happened, in my view. And then it happened. And so that to me is why it's a big surprise. Yeah, I think given that they had traded their first round pick already, I didn't think that they would <clears throat> I didn't think necessarily that they wouldn't go get him because he's a he's a running back. I just didn't think that they would give up what amounted to all of their substantial draft capital in next year's draft when they'd already given up a first round pick. Right. That's what and and the like oh they're not going to pay all that money. Like it just it wasn't yeah and and I I just didn't think they would do that. I thought the team like the Rams would come over the top and be like, here's all our first round picks for the next five years, whenever they get it first. Right. That was, hang on, pause, pin in this real quick. Mm-hmm. The report that came out that the Rams offered two first round picks for Brian Burns and the Panthers said no. Those first round picks would have been in like 2027 and 2028. Like, of course they said no. <laughs> You're going to give up that player and he's going to be 30 by the time they get picks for him. Right. Like there's, they're going to, be on their next GM by the time those picks. Yeah. Go <laughs> like, um, hey, can we interest you in first round picks in next decade? Right. Um, yeah. Biggest disappointment. Oof. The Trey Lance thing. I don't want to say Trey Lance because he was, I mean, he didn't get a chance to, to play. He had a game and a little bit of the first quarter. So, Trey Lance's season, though, and the we spent so much time talking about him last year, this offseason. What's the offense going to look like? What's the ceiling for this offense? What's it do for Debo Samuel? What's it do? Oh, yes, this connection with Brandon Ayuk. Big year for Brandon Ayuk. Watch it. I mean, we just had there was this expectation that, that he was going to grow into by week 18 one of the quarterbacks that could pencil that team in for the playoffs because their quarterback is good and he's going to do that on a team that's already loaded and we got like I said one game in a little bit and the season didn't end so that's not I mean you know that's not that's not a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo or or whatever but I think there was so much excitement over the the Trey Lance experiment and we got five quarters of it and that that was a bummer yeah particularly after the bears game which a lot of people look at and be like oh trey lance was bad 
in the in the one Bears game, and that's all we really have to go on now is that he was bad this season. It's like, all right, fine, but like you can go back and look at all the other quarterbacks in their draft in that draft class specifically, and you could cherry pick bad games for all of those guys. Yeah, right. So might just not be a very good draft class. Well, sure, but also like very few young quarterbacks come in. It, like unless you're Patrick Mahomes, very few young guys come in and play really well right away. Right. Um, so it was always going to be, uh, you know, an, an uphill climb. Like it, it, he was going to have bad moments. He was going to have good moments. That's what we were expecting. But to your point, what's disappointing about it is that we're missing all that. Like we don't, we spent so much time trying to figure out what it would look like. I was, I've always been, I felt like one of the most optimistic people, um, in terms of people who talk about Trey Lance, like I still think he's going to be good. I still have no idea when he's going to be the 49ers starting quarterback, unquestioned starting quarterback, if that's ever going to happen, frankly. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that in the off season future and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm with you. It's super disappointing. Um, and it's, it sucks that, injuries are such a big part of this game because we don't get to talk about a lot of things because guys just get hurt. Um, Speaking of injuries, I'm going to go a different route, although that is probably the biggest disappointment for me, the Trey Lansing, but I'm going to go a different route for the sake of the discussion. It's Javon Kinlaw. And Mm. look, we don't record this live in a medium where Javon Kinlaw can hop on unless you've sent him the zoom link and haven't told me. Um, but couldn't <laughs> come in now, Javon. <laughs> but turn your camera on. Oh, Javon Kinlaw is joining us. Um, no, like it's just tough, man. This is a guy. First of all, the 49ers traded away DeForest Buckner because they did not believe they could pay Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, and Buckner. Um, given that they had a quarterback on a veteran contract that they were going to have to pay, like the financials were just tricky at that time. Um, because they were going to have to pay George Kittle and Fred Warner and all of that. They they just decided that the best use of DeForest Buckner as an asset was to trade him to go get a first-round pick. Well, DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlock couldn't be any more different in terms of availability, right? Like, that was one thing you could always, always rely on with DeForest Buckner was just he would be available. And like mm-hmm. play well and a ton of snaps. Like how many bad games did DeForest Buckner have? Yeah, ever feel like he had a bad game? And he was he he was always available. Like he missed one game, I believe, in his entire 49ers tenure. Um, and so he was just the model of consistency. I think he's like he could have been the Niners modern day Bryant Young. Like I really believe that. And to trade that guy for a first round pick so you can pay other guys, I get it. Um, I just, I, the, the team justified it at the time by, you know, talking about how they could pay other guys and, but the Javon Kinlaw thing just really hasn't worked out and there's no guarantee he's going to play this season after having reconstructive ACL surgery last season. Um, he came into the draft with red flags surrounding his knee. And some doctors said he had a degenerate knee condition, which isn't good. Um, and yeah. now it's like, you know, are the 49ers ever like, is this just a, a wasted pick? Is this, you know, are, can we ever expect Javon Kinlaw to be good? 
Um, and it's no disrespect to him, but just in terms of like what they invested, um, the decision to trade Buckner and go this direction, it just really hasn't worked out. And you do wonder now how much the 49ers regret it because a year later or two years later, they did end up trading for a quarterback who they would have on a rookie contract. And there's a chance that they could have made the DeForest Buckner money work if they knew that they were going to end up drafting Trey Lance and trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, which didn't happen, of course. But just um, it's a it's kind of an interesting sliding doors moment in 49ers history right now, because I do think Buckner with this defense, it would feel a lot more like 2019 than it does right now. Not that the Niners defense is bad, but with Eric Armstead out now, you'd certainly like to have DeForest Buckner in there playing a lot more than Akeem Spence and Kevin Givens and, you know, all the other guys they have in the middle there. The DeForest Buckner trade is a disaster. On every conceivable level. Uh, defended it. I did. I think we did when it happened. Yeah. Like it made sense from a business standpoint. Like, oh, defensive tackle and positional value and this and that. But that just overlooked what everything you just talked about with his availability, his consistency, the fact that he's one of the two or three best players at the position in the league. Um, so, yeah was wrong to to defend that one because it is it is in hindsight indefensible. And <clears throat> excuse me. It um yeah. The fact that Javon Kinlaw is not even because the whole thing was if Javon Kinlaw is 70% of the player DeForest Buckner was and he has been far less than that just from a pure availability standpoint. Right. So I'm with him. Um best offseason move The okay, so <laughs> let's let's keep it a buck. The best offseason move, whether they meant to or not, was to keep Jimmy Garoppolo because the universe where they don't, we're watching Brock Purdy starts right now, and the 49ers are probably not sitting at four and four and are probably not a team that everybody's looking at and going, oh, this this might wind up being the team to beat in the NFC. Watch out for the 49ers. What about Nate Sudfeld? Would you not be excited about Nate Sudfeld starts? Are you just assuming that Nate Sudfeld would have played himself off the field and Brock Purdy would have usurped him? Yes. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) Yes. uh, I 100% think that's what would have happened. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think Brock Purdy still would have been the QB too, though. Okay. And I think we're watching Brock Purdy starts right now. And I think the 49ers are probably like two and six. And they're not going anywhere. And we're wondering what they're going to do with the quarterback position moving forward. And we're watching the 2018 season all over again. And thank God that's not happening. So shout out to the 49ers for doing whatever it was that they did with Jimmy Garoppolo that ended up with him in the building because the whole thing was from a football standpoint, he is going to be the best backup quarterback in the league. And if Lance goes down, your season is not over. And here we are. I kind of think Jimmy's going to play well over the second half of the season. If he dude, he was like, you said it earlier in the podcast, he looked as good as he's looked in a long time in that game. And, and, uh, Mark Willard, who hosts the show that I produce at, at 95.7 in San Francisco. That's my day job. 
um, he he always he always brings up week 18 of the last year as this really good Garoppolo game. And it's like, I I don't view that as a particularly great Garoppolo game. He was not good at, in the beginning. And he was the reason they were down two scores early because he threw two heinous interceptions. But he played well down the stretch and ended up helping him win the game. Like, that's fine. But to, to bring that back, I can't remember. It might have been, it all goes back to the Saints game. Everything comes back to the Saints game in 2019 was the last time that it was like, oh, damn, Jimmy was really good. And that's 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 the level I thought he played out on Sunday. And if they're going to get that, like, I, I, in the first Rams game in week four, and then against the against the Panthers in week five, it was like, if Garoppolo plays at that level, this team's going to win a lot of games. If he plays at the level he played on Sunday, they're going to win a Super Bowl. Whoa. I he was that good on Sunday? Yeah, if he keeps playing like that the rest of the year. And go beat the Bills or the Chiefs? Yeah, I think they can. Okay. Hmm. Um. All right. I agree with everything you said. I think Christian McCaffrey is just a complete game changer for Jimmy in particular. I think having that guy for Jimmy as a check down option, like how often do we talk about, and we've mentioned this before, but just like how often do we talk about Jimmy react, Jimmy not being a second reaction quarterback? Well, if his second reaction now is to throw to one of the best, if not the best pass catching running backs in the league, that's a massive upgrade over whatever the situation was earlier. Because mm-hmm. presumably, and I think this happened against the Rams, when the play breaks down and we we know Jimmy's never throwing the ball away because he just doesn't do it and it's <laughs> not it, even an option in his brain that he ever considers. The fact that he can check it down to Christian McCaffrey instead of trying to throw it into triple coverage and force it to Debo Samuel where interceptions happen that's just a huge win. And it's not a surprise to me that Christian McCaffrey in a game where he caught eight passes <clears throat> helped Jimmy Garoppolo have his, the highest completion rate of his career or one of them, whatever it was, 84%. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you on, on those things. Um, but my best move of the off season goes back to your defensive player of the year, Mooney Ward. The mm-hmm. Niners lost so many games early last season because their cornerback situation was abysmal. Yep. And they've, they've cleaned it up. Like yep. if, if they didn't get Ward and then lost Emmanuel Mosley, their cornerback situation would be a flat out disaster last year. Like Josh Norman might be back. <laughs> like Drake Kirkpatrick. Dark has Denard would be on the team for sure. Dre Kirkpatrick might be getting more burned. And getting run over by Eno Benjamin or whoever that was. Yeah. Um, so Ward has just been, aside from just being a really good cornerback, in a more macro view, he's just been sort of a stabilizer to a defense that really needed it because there were just so many pass interference penalties. And like nobody, n- none of the offenses the 49ers went against, even like Carson Wentz, none of those guys respected the 49ers cornerbacks. Yeah, early in the year, there's throw like, it up to the receivers. Yeah, we're moment. just we're just gonna throw it deep. We have no respect for you to def- like no expectation that you're gonna defend it well. There's a really good chance that we're gonna get a pass interference penalty, and that was just a huge, a huge detriment to the 49ers defense. Um, so Ward coming in and stabilizing that to me, 
is the best move move they made during the offseason. Yeah. What's your worst offseason move? Oh man. The worst offseason move. Okay, the the worst offseason move was I'm not I'm not exactly sure how to frame it. We can frame this a couple ways. So so let me know how you would like me to frame this. I mean, they signed Frank Gore and he hasn't played a game yet. <laughs> that was a joke. great point a really good point they played tevin coleman over frank Gore. I, I have their i have their transactions up on on my computer right now i'm just going through them it's, it's um kind of funny. yeah <laughs> what if i just willie sneed no uh, <laughs> no I, um, I think their worst offseason move was one they didn't make I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start framing this this way, and if you would like me to frame it a different way, I can. Oh, a concept. Okay. Fine. Yeah, this is more of a concept thing. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing a flannel. Growing the beard out. Not, not doing anything about the center spot was bad. And you can frame that as the only center they picked up was Donovan West from ASU, as an undrafted free agent. They didn't draft a center. They didn't do anything that um, was, I mean, their, their, their plan was Jake Brendel and Dan Brunskill were going to duke it out for the starting job. And Brendel won it because Brunskill got hurt. And they don't seem to have any real answers. Maybe it's Nick Zakel or maybe it's Jason Poe or I, I don't, I don't know. But the fact that they didn't, that Kyle Shanahan has emphasized that position so much, giving Weston Richburg a ton of money and then giving Alex Mack a ton of money and then doing nothing, that was shocking to me. And Jake Brendel hasn't been particularly good. So that was their worst move of the offseason was not going out and, and doing more to address center. Similar to cornerback last offseason. Or yes. I guess technically two very similar. Ago. Yeah. I like that one. I was gonna say letting Alex Mack retire. Um letting him retire? When is he gonna <laughs> hold him hostage? Yeah, I mean Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like give him some more money or something. I don't know. Just do what the Rams did with Aaron Donald. Make it so he doesn't have to practice. How has that flown so under the radar, by the way? What's that? The With Aaron Donald, who had like filed his retirement paperwork. And the Rams like, wait, 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 wait. What if we give you this much money? And he's like, ah, fine. <laughs> I think the Rams might be cooked. Now that I said that, they're going to win seven in a row. But the Rams definitely could be cooked. Their quarterback's arm is falling off. Their calling like random people to see if they'll play running back for them. They're relying on Tyler Higby to be their wide receiver too. Aaron Donald may not even want to play football anymore. Sean McVay's already thinking about going and taking Amazon money to be a broadcaster. It feels like the Rams have big, we got our ring night, night energy to me. I think that's fair. I could, st- like I said, they're going to go in seven in a row now because I'm often wrong. But so, 
it's kind of tough. Like, I don't know if there's one move that really, really sticks out. So because this is a sort of drop your Nate Sudfeld take and let's get on with it. No, this isn't in the moment, um, in the moment take like halfway through the season based on the information we have now. Oh, a half-baked take. I like it. Half-baked. Um, and it's going to be kind of two decisions wrapped into one. Stick with me here. Oh, my God. The third round of the draft hasn't been awesome. <laughs> Ty Davis, Price, and Danny Gray just aren't playing and aren't really contributing. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Kyle Shanahan's really tough on skill guys. But, you know, like you would love to have a speed element to the offense that – the 49ers kind of lack right now. And I think Danny Gray's that guy in theory, but just hasn't been that yet. Mm-hmm. And if Ty Davis price were awesome, are you trading for Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Really? Ty Davis price was awesome. The 49ers would have given up four picks away at Christian McCaffrey. Well, it's awesome. Elijah top, Mitchell top 10 year. in the league in, in rushing. Is he Elijah Mitchell last year? Eh, then maybe not. Maybe not. So it's kind of a half baked take, not in the sense that like I'm out on these guys and don't think they're going to be any good, but for the sake of this exercise, and we have to look at the majority of their offseason moves because it's not like, well, and it's for the first half of this season, those guys have done exactly nothing, right? Exactly. And it's not like they've like made any really high profile additions who have like sucked, you know. Like, so, like, what are you laughing about? Danny Gray and Ty Davis Price, come on down and get your candy for being the biggest disappointments of the (laughs) first No, they weren't the, no, that's, that's, that's Javon Kinlaw. This is the, this is the worst move section. Oh, oh, come on down and get your candy for being one of the worst off-season moves. Congratulations. (laughs) But it's only because, like, I would I would say not addressing center in a more meaningful way, I think, would be my worst offseason move. Mm-hmm. But because you did that and explained it so eloquently, I'm just going to go a different direction and just point to the third round of the draft and note and point out that the Niners haven't gotten anything from those guys and just say, like, ideally in the third round, you would get one of those guys to at least play regularly and the 49ers haven't. Yeah. And it's not like there hasn't been opportunity for Danny Gray. And it and it's also it's also I think exacerbated by the fact that last year's two third round picks are Trey Sermon, who's on the Eagles practice squad now, and Ambry Thomas, who can't get on the field. Right. So I think it's 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 magnified the lack of usage from TDP and 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 Danny Gray. Yeah, and it's not again. I don't think these guys aren't going to be good ever. They they might be really good next year. They might even be good in the second half of the season. But since we're doing this right now in this moment, um, yes, yeah, for the first half. That's that's what I have to point to. And it's like, come on, man. Willie Sneed is getting significant snaps against the Rams. He had twenty one snaps to Danny Gray's five. Right. That's and not great. Cut. Yes, it's not great. I mean, oof. All right, play of the year. Let's do something more positive. I think there, I think there are two candidates. So, so I'm going to go with the one that you don't pick. Okay, great. Because I don't know what the second candidate is. Because I was doing this exercise on the radio this morning. Shout out to anybody who happened to be listening at 5 (laughs) a.m. and also listens to this podcast. 
you're the real MVP. Uh, no, play of the year, play of the first half, and and maybe wind up the play of the year was Debo's touchdown against the Rams. And oh, I'm, okay. That wasn't I'm, one of the two I was thinking of. Oh, wow. Okay, so Debo's no, that's, that's right, Rams. I think. Debo's touchdown against the Rams was just sick. Like, it was a perfectly Debo play. It was Garoppolo throwing it up high, him going up and making the catch, breaking a tackle, breaking more tackles, outrunning some guys, breaking a Jalen Ramsey tackle, um, and then going into the end zone and scoring a touchdown that just kind of put the stamp on, yeah, hey, this is going to go how every 49ers-Rams game goes. Debo, that was a Debo bailout play, and I think it just perfectly kind of encapsulated Debo, the 49ers-Rams rivalry. It was a game the 49ers needed to have and it was Samuel coming up with a huge play. And it just from a from a pure like highlight visual aesthetic perspective, it was I, I my my favorite touchdown of the year. So that's gonna be my play of the season. First. Okay. I for whatever reason that play totally escaped my mind and I was thinking about uh the Hufunga pick six from that game. That um, one's that's that's a good one too because that put this that was the exclamation point that sealed that one because it felt like the Rams had an opportunity to come back in that game. It was only it, an eight were, point game. Yes. The 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 offense had missed a field goal, settled for a field goal, and it was like it's only eight, and the Rams are getting the ball back. Like, like they're near midfield. <laughs> we've seen the Niners blow this situation before, um, so that's a good one. I'm gonna go with uh, Christian McCaffrey's double pass touchdown to Brandon Ayuk mm. because not only was it, I mean, maybe it's more about like what the play symbolized, which was, Oh, the Niners now have a completely different and dynamic weapon on their offense. And look, I, I think you and I sort of agreed before they got Christian McCaffrey this all felt like a very similar type like ending to the season was on deck. Yep. Like it felt like, yeah, we've kind of seen this version of the 49ers offense before. Like they're going to be good. They're going to like win some playoff games, but they're going to be down in the fourth quarter and just not have an answer when another team jumps ahead. And then the pressure's really on. Ergo, you know, the Super Bowl fourth quarter against the Chiefs and what happened in the NFC title game in the fourth quarter against the Rams. Mm-hmm. The offense just didn't have enough, just didn't have enough guys, didn't have enough juice, didn't have enough answers. And the Christian McCaffrey thing could go a long way to giving the 49ers an element to have answers in, in those scenarios. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what the double pass sort of symbolized. Not that like they're going to be down in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and then run a double pass to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> that's that's not what that's I'm saying. That's their new go-to play. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is like, oh, now they have something completely different, and it's not going to look the same as it might have, which was sort of our fear going into like this mm-hmm. extended run here, or like the set the back stretch of the season and a potential playoff run. It's like, yeah, feel pretty good about the 49ers defense. The offense is good, but like, is it really all that different from 2019? or you know 2021 like but the McCaffrey element feels very different for the offense yes if they continue to u- utilize him in the passing game um not as a thrower but as a receiver but that yep. that play 
like if if the Niners do make a playoff run, like that play will stick out to me sort of in a similar way, like George Kittle's fourth down in New Orleans did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and how big of a play that one was. And it was obviously very different circumstances, but like that could just be a moment a momentous play if McCaffrey ends up being a guy for the 49ers that sort of elevates the offense to a different level in playoff games. Yeah, and I think I think you could I think we could have this exact same discussion about the leaping touchdown catch. Yeah. The leaping touchdown catch, like there was more than one. His touchdown catch, where he wasn't even supposed to be involved in the play, but just instinctually ran into the end zone and Garoppolo found him and hit him. I think you could, for for what you brought up about Garoppolo earlier, having a check down option, that obviously wasn't a check down, but just a receiver that if Christian McCaffrey's not there, let's say that's Jeff Wilson Jr. and he just goes and kind of drifts into the flat and doesn't, Garoppolo is probably firing that into traffic. Are we sure that pass wasn't intended for George Kittle in the corner? Yes. You're sure? Yes. I'm less sure, but okay. <laughs> if that pass was intended for George Kittle, it would have been intercepted. It might have. He de- No, it was definitely for McCaffrey. Just after the pod, just go back and watch that play again and notice where George Kittle was. And I'm just throwing it out there. I'm giving Jimmy the benefit of the doubt on this one, but no, but look, here's the, he threw that horrible interception to Ray Ray McLeod and was like meant to throw it to George. Right. And it's like, that's not good. You should not have admitted that. That's I think he would have admitted it if he was trying to throw it to Kittle. Or he learns like, no, I shouldn't have admitted that. I'm never <laughs> admitting that again. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, but, but I, I mean, fact is, is I think nobody's going to look at, I think that game, if, what you're saying, I, I agree with, but I think that game as a whole is just going to be viewed the way you're talking about. Right. Um, the, it's the get right the, game against the McCaffrey game. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's kind of where, where, where I land. Uh, most valuable player. Why is it Nick Bosa for you? Because I think if I think Kyle Shanahan can, for the most part, coach around if you remove a player from the roster, I think Kyle Shanahan can, for the most part, coach around removing one player on offense. We saw him do it with Trent Williams. Trent Williams is their, their like, just pound for pound best offensive player. And he was gone, and the Niners offense, you know, kind of, they weren't great, obviously. But it was like, okay, they, they figured it out a little bit. But... I think if you take out Nick Bosa, I don't think you can coach around Nick Bosa being out. I just don't think that D'Amico Ryan's like he impacts the game in so many ways. That's what we learned in the Falcons game. Yeah. I I mean, if, if go everything you said about him and the DPOY part applies and just pick that up and insert it here because they, you can't coach around everything that you brought up. You can't just be like, hey, D, uh, <laughs> uh, D- Drake Jackson, go be better at setting the edge this game. Like, right. d- hey, Samson, just go go beat a double team this game. Just go beat just go beat those. You know, and when there's a handful of plays per game where it's just like, oh, that was Nick Bosa just being individually awesome and helping get a stop. And I don't think I mean, Fred Warner, I think, okay, Dre Greenlaw can do a good Fred Warner impression for a couple games. Um, you know, 
Jimmy Ward goes down and Tayshawn Gibson just steps in and, and plays that role. Whether he should still be playing it is up for debate. But I just, you know, I'm, it's Nick Bosa. He's the best player on their team. I agree. I don't think there's a whole lot of analysis needed. He's really good against the run, really good against the pass. Um, premium <laughs> position. What are you laughing at? How is he on special teams, though? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Need more. Um, but yeah, he's he's just in terms of like all around defensive ends, he's one of the best I've I've watched. Like he's unbelievable. He's really really freaking good at football. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about Fred Warner at all. So how about this bonus category? Coolest visual of the season. Holy smokes. Being completely horizontal and hitting that Rams running back, whoever it was. Rivers. Like, in the chest. Yeah, Rivers. Some guy named Rivers. Um it's it looked like a video game tackle. Yeah. Where it did. Your it player was like, dives and then the play the player that they hit just falls sideways. It was NFL Blitz for sure. Like you and, hit the you hit the square or whatever the other button is. And uh X your PlayStation guy? X Y no, that's just what the first. I don't. I'm. I don't have a, an allegiance. Square Square was dive on. I have. I have both to be honest. Or I've. I've had both. I don't currently have any. But yeah, it looked like a uh, an NBA blitz tackle where you just hit the dive button and he like flew and and hit the dude. So coolest visual of the season. Congrats to uh to Fred Warner on the this. physics. Just didn't add up. And you even commented. We watched that game together at our at our watch party that nobody came to. <laughs> Um, and nobody was invited. Your dad, your dad is invited. By the way, that steak you cooked up was money, coach. But yeah, I'm good on the grill, man. You, you are. That's got, not even, no, you, you, you do have bars on the grill for sure. <laughs> you, you said like, did he just like, just, was he in the air? Did he just Superman that guy? Like, what the hell? And then you get the visuals coming out and, Kim, one of the 49ers photographers on her Instagram, had the like shot for shot. It's like a video of her going through the shots and he's yeah. just not in the picture and then he's in the picture and then he's horizontal. And it, yeah, no, that was an unbelievable play by Fred Warner. And I think there's a case for Fred Warner for DPOY as well. So I would have... Like Bosa was my pick, obviously. I get why you went Ward, but I would have had if I were ranking him, I would have had Warner over Ward. Yeah, that's just because he's played in every game and hasn't oh, had controversy any in the first in the in the first biannual candies. Wow. Yeah, I'm calling you out. It's fine. Wow, uh, calling out <laughs> calling out the academy. Yeah. Um. No, but Fred Warner deserves some discussion. Yeah. Given that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In our in. Okay, ninth category guy we just kind of forgot to talk about. Where he's the it's the Iron Fleet Award from when Game of Thrones when Danny forgot about the Iron Fleet. Um, okay, Fred Warner, shout out. Oh, okay. I thought you're gonna name. Have you not seen else. that meme of one of one of the one of the creators in the in one of the late season after the show things is like, and Danny just kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet. Like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. I would have forgotten about that too. Small detail. Yeah. Yeah. Last season's couple, couple problematic I had something, things that happened. <laughs> I had something as I sip on a Starbucks. I had something I wanted to bring up when we were talking about Christian McCaffrey and I forgot and I just remembered. Okay. Let's rewind to 
the play of the year discussion we we're having and Christian McCaffrey and his involvement. Stuff. Okay. Mike Silver on the radio said a San Francisco columnist, Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle columnist, Mike sure. Silver, friend of the, of the pod, pod. Yep. said that he didn't think that Christian McCaffrey was an identity changing move. And I disagree. I think he very much was because I think the 49ers and I, pretty sure I've talked about this on the pod are going to become a much more horizontal team than they were last year. Last year, their identity was, we're going to get downhill and beat the crap out of you. And this year, I think it's, we're going to spread you out and stress you horizontally in ways that teams just aren't equipped to defend. And I think a lot of that is going to have to do with Christian McCaffrey, his ability to split out wide as a receiver and to just exist in empty space and stress a linebacker that has to, okay, there's George Kittle. Okay, there's Debo Samuel. Oh, and there's also Christian McCaffrey hanging out, and that's six yards if they complete it in the flat. And offensive player of the year, Brandon Ayuk. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I I I think that their identity is going to be very different than it was last year, in large part because of McCaffrey. I want to see like what happens on like third and eight going forward. Because, you know, like, you remember Trent Taylor and how important those slants were in 2017 when it was like every third down, it was like Trent Taylor slant. His, 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 I'm going to pull, I'm getting, I'm going for the first time since like 2018, I'm going to Trent Taylor's pro football reference page because I want to back this up with numbers. Keep going. Yeah. So I just think in terms of like, I mean, identity is kind of a subjective thing, but in terms of what the 49ers offense looks like, just having somebody they could potentially use in the passing game in a similar way, who's just going to move the chains, changes the offense dramatically. Yeah. In my opinion. So, yeah, I think, you know, does that change our identity? I don't know. But, but if he's utilized in the passing game to the point where it's like, okay, he's getting four third down conversions a game just out that catching passes out of the backfield or even making third down conversions easier on first and second down by being available as a check down or being a featured play or player in the screen game or whatever. I just think he, he could have a dramatic impact for Jimmy Garoppolo in particular, because we know that Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be better off having a really good check down than, than having to force it to Debo Samuel and triple coverage like he did against Denver rather than just throwing the ball away. So Trent Taylor in 2017 had 60 targets. 38 of them came on third down. He had 43 catches. 27 of them came on third down. And of those 27 catches, 20 of them went for either touchdowns or first downs. So just to back that up with some numbers. Fifth round pick Trent Taylor, 49ers never missed on a fifth round pick. Bengals legend. Ever. Shots to Trent. Is that, I like, hey, I like Trent talk, Taylor. Hey, you want to talk sliding doors moments. Trent Taylor's back injury. Mm. Mm. Trent Taylor's back injury. Jarek McKinnon's torn ACL. Could the Super. 49ers have won the Super Bowl in 2019 had Trent Taylor been healthy? <laughs> Question we'll never know. <laughs> and if they had Who's won the say? Super Bowl, would the pandemic in the Bay Area have just been incremental or incrementally exponentially worse because of the parade happening right when covid started spreading. wow 
Trent Taylor saved some lives. <laughs> Trent Taylor saved thousands of lives with his back injury. That's the only the only possible conclusion we can come to here. <laughs> Changing my pick, Trent Taylor MVP. <laughs> <laughs> but I generally do I genuinely do like Trent Taylor as a human. He was a he was a good individual. Um anyway, all right. Midseason candies. I think that's it. Unless you have any more. Congratulations to all of our winners. <laughs> Your awards will be in the mail shortly. Yeah, and their agents. Or yeah. I'm sh- surely, at least in Brandon Ayuk's case, cutting up the audio here and presenting it to John Lynch. Oh, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. New and, contract. And money. John Lynch, John Lynch trying desperately to make sure that they don't hear this audio. <laughs> <laughs> or John Lynch just cutting this up and bringing it to Jed York, being like, it's time for another raise. Give me the bag, bro. I'm going to Amazon. Okay. Um, quick sketchy, quick schedule update. I'm going out of town. I don't know if you know that. I do. I'm going that. out of town. Are we talking about this on the podcast? Well, I'm just going to say that uh, we'll be <laughs> recording Tuesday okay. with a special guest. Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> We've had a couple special guests that have not come through. So we're just going to cross our fingers and hope. Um, and that will come out on Wednesday. So check your feeds. We're going to take a couple of days off for the bye week. Uh, enjoy enjoy your football on Sundays. Hey, I have one last thing really quick. Okay. Should the 49ers be rooting for the Seahawks or the Cardinals? They should be rooting for the Cardinals. So here was my here was my thing on it. They still play the they're they're a game back of the Seahawks. If the if the Seahawks win. And they'll have a game left against them. The Cardinals are three and five. The Cardinals lose. They go to three and six and probably start a spiral where they win like five games all year. So it's like, do you get the Cardinals the hell out of here and then just worry about the Seahawks? Or do you want the team ahead of the 49ers to get knocked down where they're only a half game back? Maybe this is a conundrum. Maybe this is presumptuous on my end, but I'm just expecting the Cardinals spiral regardless. <laughs> no, that's that's you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. So I you want but you want like even if they like if the Cardinals were to beat the Seahawks, I I would still have zero faith in the Cardinals like being good long term. Um but I think yeah, if you're the 49ers, you just want the Seahawks to lose. That's it's that like right, like you they beat the Rams twice. It feels like the Seahawks are the team that is their biggest impediment towards the division title. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Right. And now. the Seahawks might be good. They had, dude, check this out. The Seahawks had the offensive player of the month, the offensive rookie of the month, and the defensive rookie of the month. Yeah. That's- no, they've been we we had Joe Fan on in July and I asked him if the Seahawks were tanking. And he was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> And now they're in first place <laughs> midway through the season. I don't know. Anyway. All right. We got to get out of here. Everybody enjoy their, their bye weekend. Um, and hoodie season is here. Yes. Thankfully. It is. We're all in on hoodie season. I could not, I, I, I even ordered a new hoodie slash jacket today. I'm very excited about it. Big oh, hoodie yeah? guy. Yeah. Just, just all over Patagonia's website the last few days. So just really trying to support, support nature. So our guys at our guys at Lamb Chops yes. dropped a couple of hoodies, and man, 
Are you going to get some? I might. I'm consi- every time. Yeah, I'm very much considering it. Okay. SG Lamb Chops on Instagram. Check it out. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt right now. Shout out Craig. Yeah, shout out Craig. The Lamb Chops. The Lamb Chops. Oh, very good. The script. We should probably um, start putting these videos like out where people can see. It's a good shirt. Uh, I think it's last year's drop. But it's, um, all right, we're out of here. It's vintage. Everybody enjoy the. Uh, everybody enjoy the. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.